How's everybody doing tonight? All right. It was a dark and stormy night. Um, it is. Uh, welcome to Uncle Scotchy Storytelling Extravaganza. I'm Uncle Scotchy. For those of you who are not familiar, there's going to be four storytellers coming up here with 15-minute uh, breaks in between. The stories just have to be true, and they have to be about you. Uh, hit me up if you want to tell a story sometime in the future. I'm booked about a month out. Um, or if you have any questions, uh, it's been going really good and really well. And I uh, appreciate everybody that's been coming out. What's up, Mitch? And uh, once again, our sponsor is Breckeridge Bourbon. And the cheese stand alone is ridiculously good food. Uh, this has been a really cool journey, and I really like the way it's going. We have four people that haven't told one here yet tonight, which is exciting. Uh, not, not too many return, return stories, tellers, actually. And the first one is a musician, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, once again, also, by the way, if you're sitting at a table with your friends and you're telling a little story to them, just keep it at a respectable level or uh, go chill out back because a lot of these stories are very personal and they're not easy to tell. Uh, so that being said, let's bring up our first storyteller, ladies and gentlemen. Let's give it up for Rebecca Marie. Hello, Bar Nancy. <laughs> um, thank you so much for having me. First off, uh, I'm going to be telling a story that happened to me last year. And every, ever since it happened, I've been wanting to tell it. Um, so this is a long time coming for me. So here is my story of how COVID and music saved my life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good start. Thank you. <laughs> So, COVID saving a life, huh? Sounds weird. Um, COVID took so many things from so many people, yet it gave me a second chance. You're like, hmm, COVID. Yeah, so back in March when everything closed down, uh, I'm actually a music therapist by day, working in hospice. I have some fellow music therapists here tonight. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, so obviously it was really scary for us. Um, the place I was working at sent us to the volunteer department, and I was around people every day. So to be safe, I went and got a COVID test. And luckily, it was just a drive-through down the road. And I was like, this is convenient. But at that time, you needed a doctor uh, to approve the test for you. So I didn't have a primary because I just moved over here a couple years ago. And they're like, oh, it's fine. We'll just put you with one of ours. So I met Dr. Ruth Katignas, who I didn't know would be one of my angels. And I luckily didn't have COVID, so that was good. But then she was like, hey, come see me for a physical. You haven't had one. I was like, yeah, I have insurance now, so why not? And I showed up, and the first thing she did was point out my neck. And she said, has anybody ever told you about your neck? I was like, uh, no, we have a family history of thyroid problems, but two years ago, everything was normal and fine. She said, come with me. I was like, oh, okay. So we walk over to the bathroom, and I have to stare in the mirror. And she said, watch yourself while you swallow. I looked like a bullfrog. <laughs> How had I not noticed this before? And so we start walking back to the exam room. I'm spiraling. 
because just a few months prior to that, we had a colleague die from mouth and throat cancer. And so all I'm thinking is, I'm next. That's it. Bye, Rebecca. Uh, but, you know, one thing at a time. So they sent me for an ultrasound that same day. Went through with that. Two weeks go by because everything in the medical world takes two weeks for some reason. You're just sitting there like, oh, my God, can I just know? Um, <laughs> I couldn't know until two weeks later they called me and they're like, oh, everything's all right. You know, you just have a few small nodules. It's like, that doesn't make sense. I looked like a bullfrog. Um, and then we kept reading the report and we got down to the last line and it said, four centimeter nodule. It's like, oh, that's like a little bit bigger than a strawberry. Uh, so what do I do? I have to go for a biopsy. That's fun. Luckily, my mom works in an ENT office. So she's like, it's okay. We can just do it in the office. I was like, yeah, please. I need you to hold my hand. Like, almost broke it. <laughs> um, so what that was like is they, since it was right in the front of my throat, they're like, we can just go in really quick, wiggle a few needles around your neck. I was like, do what? And <laughs> yeah, so I was sitting there awake. They numbed it, wiggled a few needles. I fainted again. <laughs> Apparently that's my body's response to stress. <laughs> Break out the smelling salts. All right, I'm back. <laughs> so what's next? Another two freaking weeks. And the first part of the biopsy came back pretty promising. And then my mom came to visit me. This was weird. Like, my mom sat me down at my kitchen table. And I was like, you all right? And she's like, not really. Like, she's already in tears. I'm like, this is my body. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she is the sweetest thing. And I'm glad she's the one that told me that the biopsy came back as 50% chance of cancer in my throat. Yeah. So <laughs> now what? So when you have a problem with your body, you go and see a specialist, right? So go to see an endocrinologist. He sends me for blood work. It's like, man, everything was fine. And he was smart enough to test the entire thyroid panel. So TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, came back normal. What the heck? Antibodies were next. Antibodies are supposed to be around nine. And mine were 737. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I lived with this in my body. Um, fun fact, the thyroid stimulating hormone is in every single cell of your body. So it literally helps you regulate your metabolism, your energy level, your breathing rate, your heart rate, like all these basic functions you need to live. And so I went for another ultrasound with the specialist, and he explained everything to me. He said, okay, your antibodies are through the roof. So that means you have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disorder that's genetically inherited. Thanks, Mom. No, just kidding. Love you. And, <laughs> um, and then he did his own ultrasound, and he's, like, measuring it. I'm looking at the ceiling. I was like, this is cool. And so he starts measuring it, and he's like, what did they say it was for I was like, yeah, four centimeters. He's like, I'm going to measure this actually as five centimeters. So that's like about the size of a lime at that point. I said, okay, what does this mean? He said, well, you're already going to be on thyroid-stimulating hormone because of Hashimoto's. 
So I suggest getting the entire thing removed. Fine. Surgery right next to my vocal cords. All right. <laughs> so I set up the surgery. A little part of divine intervention. I don't know if you guys believe this, but I do. The doctor that they set me up with for the COVID test, turns out she specialized in thyroid in the Philippines. Her daughter also had her thyroid removed at my age. Came back as cancer. So something led me to her. And I was like, I want the same surgeon that your daughter had. Put me with him. Okay, fine, I can do this, I can do this. Then I get a call in August, beginning of August, on a Friday, I'm at my new job, and they said, hi, is this Rebecca? Yes, this is she. Hi, we're having a little issue with your insurance. We're actually not gonna be taking it after the end of this month. It's like, great, what does that mean? Um, they had to switch my surgeon to somebody who is more available because also surgeries had just opened back up because of COVID. So everybody was trying to get their surgery. I was like, I guess I'm priority. And they switched my surgeon on a Friday, right? I looked up her reviews, everything was fine. Great, great, great. And then I scroll down, there's this one review. It said, she paralyzed my vocal cords. My voice hasn't been the same since. I couldn't do anything until Monday. <laughs> so the entire weekend, I'm like, I'm going to lose my voice. Never mind, am I going to survive? Like, will it be the same as there's piano, there's guitar? But I'm a songwriter, and I want to be able to tell my story. So I wake up on Saturday morning, and immediately I start crying. <laughs> I couldn't stop crying. So what do I do? I do what songwriters do best. And I sat down at my piano, picked my favorite key of D flat, and I started writing. This may be my last song to you. So what do I say? What do I do? Have I sung every line that I wanted to sing? Will you still love me even when it's not me? You're hearing. I'll write to you. It just won't be my voice. I'll sing the songs in my head because it's my only choice. I'll miss your sweet faces looking up from the crowd. I'll come to the shows, but the pain will be oh so loud. Ooh. This may be my last song to you. So all I want to do is thank you for listening to my deepest fears, dreams and visions throughout the years. And with one single tear falling down from my eye, I wish you my love as I sing you. 
I'm so happy I was able to sing that for you all today. <laughs> Thank you. And that's just, you know, I still had to go through the surgery, so oh my goodness. At least I have a song, right? At least I said my piece. And I didn't want to have any regrets, so I wrote that. And then the next weekend I went and I recorded all seven of my original songs just in case anything happened. Then Monday comes around, and I was like, all right, I still have this bad surgeon, so now what? Um, I got on a call with the primary doctor, um, and I said, hey, they tried to put me with a surgeon who has paralyzed somebody's vocal cords. What do I do? And she's like, hold on, that can't happen. I have the phone number of the surgeon who did my daughter's surgery. Hold on. Pulls out her phone, texts the surgeon, says, can you please do this surgery for my patient and my friend? It's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm crying too. <laughs> um, yeah, and he did. And, you know, I showed up for the surgery alone. Thanks, COVID. Um, they came in, marked my neck where my scar was going to be. And I counted back from 10. And I woke up. And I was like, my voice, my voice, is it there? <laughs> I asked the surgeon. He's like, yes, we used a breathing tube wrapped in electrodes to be able to detect your laryngeal nerve that controls the range of your voice completely untouched. Thank God. <laughs> and another two weeks, right? <laughs> we still don't know what the heck this thing is in my throat. So two weeks go by. You know, everything's painful to talk, to swallow, to shower. And I was supposed to have a virtual follow-up, and then I, I took the bandage off. I was like, oh, no, there's a stitch poking out. <laughs> and they're like, okay, you can come in. So I went in for the appointment, and I sat down. And I was like, yeah, I have the stitch poking out. And the surgeon assistant goes, oh, you could have taken that out by now. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> uh, he's like, oh, that didn't hurt. Excuse me. <laughs> This is my body. Um, I also thought that it was little stitches. Um, it was actually just one all the way across. So yeah, that really hurt. <laughs> and then they came in and told me that I had cancer. Yeah, that was a fun appointment. I was alone again, thanks COVID. And not only was it cancer, it was two types of cancer, follicular and papillary. And I was like, well, the timing, like, what happened? Are we good? What's, what do we do now? And they said, if the thyroid was an orange, basically all of it was contained within the orange, but maybe some got on the rind of the orange. It's like, okay, so what does that mean? And they're like, basically, we got it just in time. It was on its way out. I was like, out where? the lymph nodes, the bones, and then eventually the brain. So <laughs> I obviously had an angel looking out for me, saw a speech therapist, 
voice came back to normal. My voice is actually a little bit higher now, which I'm not too happy about being a soprano, but I'm happy to have a voice. <laughs> um, and I get to perform, and I just am so grateful that I'm able to. And I, at 24, it really changes a lot. So, yeah, that's my story. <laughs> If I could leave you all with anything, I wanted to come up like with a quote to wrap it all together. And I wanted to make it nautical themed because of our Nancy. So my quote for you all is, waves of life come and go. Just remember what keeps you afloat. Thank you, Bar Nancy. <laughs> Give it up for Rebecca Marie, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for Rebecca. Come on. Wow, that was great. That was awesome. It's uh, it's kind of a, it kind of makes sense that that uh, this thing wouldn't be happening right now if it wasn't for COVID either. I'm not saying thank COVID, but if there's going to be some good things, there's going to be some good things. I never would have started this storytelling bullshit if I, you know, was just, I was going about my life, playing gigs, doing shows, and then this all happened, and then. This person that basically her life was literally saved by COVID. And that whole incident comes in here. So that really, it's a nice home for your first story. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for her. Give it up for her. And happy birthday, Matt. Soon to be father here on his birthday. This is his first time checking out the storytelling. So thanks. Made it all the way from the beach. You know, it's hard to get over that damn bridge. All right. Let's give it up for Rebecca one more time for her story, ladies and gentlemen. It took a lot for her to tell, so and I appreciate you guys being super cool and and uh, and listening to her story. Uh, we got another new one, and uh, she better be good. Don't suck. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Cindy and Wasong. Hello, can I can I sit? Oh, I need to. I have no idea. I don't know why I got into this, you know? No idea. Um, but I'm here. Just so you know, this is not an instruction. This really is just for me to scare you. Oh, boy. So, so I moved here from Trinidad, and by here I mean to Florida, in 2010. January 1st, right? What a way to start a year. Um, I didn't plan to, but I did it for my son. And I got here, and the plan was that I would not stay longer than three or four years. I would get here, get him off to college, and then I would go back home. Home being Trinidad and Tobago. But then life happens, right? Stuff happens. And so in 2014, um, I lost a huge, huge part of my life, and things changed. My son left for college in 2013, and then 2014, and I was just like, <sighs> um, both my son and I, we suffered a death, um, my dad. And so in 2015, I took him to New Orleans for his 20th birthday. I felt like we needed a reset. 
you know, and his school. He was going to school in New York City at the time, Iona College, and the school was doing a, like a spiritual convention or conference at Thomas Merton in Louisville, Kentucky. So I got in on the conference, and I arranged for us to spend the few days prior in New Orleans, right? Because you can drink in New Orleans before 21. So I was like, all right, I'll take my son to New Orleans, and we are going to get wasted together. Because we needed that, you know what I mean? So we did, woo, right, yeah. And so we did drunk karaoke. We, I mean, we had a blast of a time. We needed to get over that. And I rented a car. The intention was to drive to Kentucky. Because although I'd been living here for four years, I was terrified to drive on the highway. Like, so fucking scared. Because for a number of reasons, the roads are wider. And also, I wasn't sure if my road rage would transfer. <laughs> and I didn't want to be that person, you know, driving and being all happy and shit. I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be able to be angry on both sides. So I drove to Louisville from Kentucky, I think it, from, from New Orleans. I think it took us like 10 hours. We stopped once for something to eat, but I was determined to do it. So we got to Louisville, we did the spiritual convention. I have no idea what happened at all. I just remembered there was a guy at the conference, and at the time my son and I had a very strained relationship because... I don't know if we have any parents in here, but usually you love your kids until they're like 15. And then you can't stand them at all. And so I was in that phase where I would look at my son with just pure disgust. Like, what the fuck? And um, <laughs> it's funny because it's true. And I remember there was this guy there with his kids, and he said to me, I was, because he, you know, he kind of sensed the tension. And he said, you know, you need to leave your son alone for about a year. Just let him be for a year for him to become a man. And I was like, yeah, but he's going to call me for fucking money. You know what I mean? <laughs> How's that going to work? I'm trying to leave, and I've been trying for the past four years. Anyway, so we... We're done, and then the school had arranged transport back to New York with a bus, which I agreed to accompany my son on the bus because I wanted to spend as much time with him as possible. So initially, it was supposed to be six of us on the bus, but on the way to the bus, my son said, oh, mom, three of the kids are not coming back on the bus with us. They made other arrangements, which should have been my clue to kind of get out but I didn't. So we took an Uber to the bus, I guess the bus stop or the bus terminal or whatever, which I assumed was the Greyhound bus. It wasn't. So we got there and the Uber driver, which again was another clue, he was very chatty, I guess, and he said he had a pet iguana. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I take it for walks in the park. And then it it jumps from me to anyone that has on a flowered shirt. And I was like, this song's a little shitty. <laughs> then he said the iguana went missing. And then it came back a few weeks later. And I was like, you know what? Can you just drop us off in, in silence? Because this is killing me. 
We get to the bus, to, the, to like a strip mall, and there's this red bus parked that looks as if someone had like hand-painted it with like a number six brush, you know what I mean? You could actually see the paint strokes on the bus. I was like, what the fuck is happening? So we get there, and there's an Asian guy standing outside the bus with, with like, a, like a notepad checking us in. I'm like, okay. We get in the bus, and the smell of urine is palpable. Like you could take, ugh, right? I look at my son. I'm like, look, the school paid for six seats. We're going to sit separately. Each person, we're going to occupy one row each. It was him and another student from the school and myself. We get on the bus, and, and we start the journey to New York City, which I think was from, from Louisville, I want to say 12 hours, maybe, they said. My flight from New York City to Miami was the following morning, like 9 a.m., so I didn't have much time. Anyway, so we get on the bus, and we started driving. And this driver is, at every exit, the bus is going off, and picking up like two more. I've never experienced that. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is some island shit, right? Like, did you, would, you would just exit, and then two people will come on, and three people will hop off. And I was like, all right. But I was sure to tell the guy, I was like, no one is sitting next to myself, my son, or that girl, because we paid for the seats. So we're going on, and, and the journey is going, and he's getting off every exit. And the bus is full of... Um, mostly Asian people. And um, so we get to this place, and then we just hear this thing go, I'm like, what? I mean, we're in this road. It's, it's pitch like black. We just got out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And I look at my son. I'm like, what is happening? The driver gets up, and he's like, Motion in, whatever. I'm like, what? So I'm asking people, I'm like, what happened? You know, what is he saying? And the girl next, she's like, she doesn't speak English, right? I'm like, yeah, but so we're there for like, I want to say maybe five hours, just parked in the middle of nowhere with no air condition. I'm sipping urine, like just slowly, like ingesting it with every breath I take trying to get hold of my husband to get him to call me an Uber. I would take the guy with the iguana at this point. <laughs> but of course, I don't know where we are, so I can't tell him where to send the Uber. So we're in this bus for five hours, just sitting there waiting. Eventually, something happens. Um, people are getting irritable, you know, and we're all just raging, like, what the fuck happened? And they're trying to just keep us quiet. And eventually, something happens and they get depart for the bus and we're on the move again. And I guess I must have fallen asleep for like a quick minute. And I remember just hearing, oh my God, we're going to fucking die, blah, blah, blah. And I open my eye and I'm like, and my son says, mommy, did you not see what happened? I'm like, no. He said the bus almost turned over. I'm like, what? <laughs> Apparently, the driver fell asleep. <laughs> and you know those, you know the side of the road that you have those rigid, and I guess when he went on that, he pulled the steering, 
And so that the bus, with that sharp pull, the bus almost tipped over. So now we're parked in the middle of nowhere, like this, on, yeah. <laughs> and there is this African-American lady sitting like, I wanna say three rows or four rows ahead of me. And she is, I mean, she was, she's like, man, they're gonna fucking kill me inside of here in this bus. I'm gonna fuck this shit up. I'm gonna, t I'm like, yo. yo. So this lady on the opposite side, people start calling. They're like, no, don't make the bus move. You know, please call the cops. Are you drunk? And so the lady initially said she could not speak English. She came, she's at the back now, and she's like, she's explaining to me what happens. I'm like, this is odd. Like 30 minutes ago, you knew no English. Now you, we're having a full-on conversation. I'm not, I'm not interested. So we made some calls, we all did. Whoever had service, we called in, and, and eventually the police came. And I guess a lot of people on the bus, because I found out after, um, the bus is from Chinatown in New York City. Uh, I didn't know, it's called the go-to bus or something like that. You could look it up, I think go-to bus. So it's a very inexpensive bus, and it, it's, it's based in Chinatown. And, and my cousin said to me when I told her, I was like, we were on this bus. And she was like, were there goats on the bus? Because usually they have goats and pigs and, you know, like, they transport a lot of shit on that bus in the end. And so the police came, and I guess people started to get scared because maybe they weren't, you know, they didn't have documentation, I guess. So, I mean, they started to come. The Asians started to move further to the back of the bus, right? They're like, ah. The police came and they made the guy, the driver walk, like walk a line. They asked him for documentation. Eventually they said, you know, he's not drunk and they're going to have to let the bus continue. I'm like, well, without me, I need to get off this bus because I have a flight to catch in New York City. And at this rate, I'm, I'm not going to make it. So the, I said, sir, can you please just have this bus follow you to the nearest exit where there's a hotel so we can get off we could you know I could get a car and we can drive so sure enough the officer did that he, he led us to this hotel in the middle of I found out it was Dayton Ohio so we were in the middle of like I guess a cane field I don't know is there cane in Dayton I don't fucking know it's could be rice I don't know what is what is Dayton known for rice cane cotton I don't fucking know it was just a hotel and nothing. And we get there, my son, and as we were exiting the bus, the girl who I didn't even know, I didn't know who, I didn't know how, she was, she's looking at me like, are you going to leave me on this bus? <laughs> and I couldn't, right? So I looked at my son, I was like, come, I'll take you with me. We'll call your parents and we'll sort this out. We get to the hotel, I say to the girl, I said, could you call me a cab? She's like, no, uh, not, you know, the earliest cab gets here at 6 a.m. I'm like, what? She's like, you're gonna have to take a room. I'm like, how much is a room? She's like, 250. I'm like, I'm gonna sleep here for an hour for 250. So I sat in the lobby area, my son and the girl asleep on the luggage. I'm just sitting there waiting. The car came at six o'clock. We got in the car. I called my husband. I said, could you get me a rental? And I'm gonna drive to New York City. We get to Dayton, um, the airport in Dayton, Ohio. I pick the rental up, and then it starts to storm. 
I know you guys are probably thinking, this is supposed to be a real story, Cindy, and this sounds a little untrue. It's the truth. It sounds fucked up. So we get to Dayton um, Airport. I pick the car, the rental up. I walk outside, and it's storming. I'm like, I'm never going to get to New York. So I start making arrangements now for us to get a flight out of Dayton, Ohio. Um, I booked my son direct to New York. I booked myself in. I think I got a flight from Dayton to Fort Fort Worth, Texas, Dallas, to Miami. And the girl, we kept calling her parents, and they would not answer. (laughs) And I knew that her parents were obviously not Caribbean. Because they didn't call either. Like, not once. I mean, my mother would have been calling me every hour. Where is the bus? What is the driver wearing? What are you wearing? (laughs) That's how we roll in the Caribbean, you know what I mean? My mom would have been on it. No, I called like 15 times. Her parents were probably fast asleep, you know. You know the American way, I guess. Fuck your kids. I like that. I like that. I like it a lot. I could get into this. I really do. We kept calling and calling. I'm like, look, I'm thinking at this point, I'm not going to have to pay for this child to go to New York City. Like, I don't, like, mom, I don't even know you. Like, I'm, like, I'm going to leave you here. I don't give a shit at this point. It's starting to get. Eventually, her dad calls, and he actually works for an airline. Right? And he does not make arrangements for us. Could you imagine? I'm telling What? The American way? <laughs> I'm learning. Lessons learned. So he arranged for her. She left. I got my son on a flight directly to New York. And I took a flight connecting from Fort Worth to New York. I get on my flight first. I leave my son. I kiss him. I'm like, you know, when I get to Texas, I'll, I'll message you. I love you. I'll see you soon. I get to Fort Worth, I call him. I'm like, Keegan, you know, what, what are they saying? He's like, Mom, my flight has been delayed. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, at that point, I wish I had some holy water. You guys familiar with holy water? <laughs> like, I was like, we need some blessings. So I'm like, your flight has been delayed. He's like, yeah, because of the weather. I'm like, okay. He said, but they said an hour or two. I'm like, fine. I said, well, just text me. So when I get to Miami, I'll, I'll know that you're, you know, you're on your flight. I get to Florida. I call, and he answers. I'm like, Why are you, where, where are you? He's like, I'm still in Ohio, Mom. My flight has been canceled at this point. And then I realized he is the problem and not me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, well, you know, sort your shit out. No, I didn't. So he had to stay in a hotel close to the airport overnight. And then he had to go back to the airport, like, 5 o'clock in the morning. At that time, they sent him, the flight took him to Chicago and then to New York City. And he got back safely. Um, The school refunded us all of our money for the expenses paid. We did. I got reimbursed for the bus, for the flight, for the 10 bottles of wine that I drank in the airport. I needed it. Fuck it. Okay, that part is a lie. Can I lie a little bit? Like a little bit? I know this is supposed to be... Can I just embellish? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I got... You would have never known, right? 
Yeah, I had to be honest. I didn't want to lose my blessings, you know. <laughs> and so that was it. My son got back to New York. Uh, I got back to Florida. And here I am today sitting on a stage telling a story in front of a bunch of strangers. Thank you, guys. That's my time. Give it up for Cindy Ann Boisson. Thought I would get her last name wrong. If you like these stories, just go to uh, UncleScotchy.com. This is the 33rd week on the podcast. Let's give it up for Julio for recording for the 33rd week in a row. He missed like one or two, but... He's been my podcast angel, so uh, give it up for Julio. Give it up again for Cindy Ambosan's story, ladies and gentlemen. Very well told. Very well told. And Rebecca's leaving right now. Give it up for Rebecca one last time, ladies and gentlemen, with her very brave story that she told. Sweet tea. <laughs> uh, we got somebody coming up right now. I'm excited to hear her story. I'm not going to blather right now and, or uh, filibuster at all. So let's give it up for Grace Victoria, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, everybody. Energy's good in here. I'm just buying some time because I ate this fish gummy real quick. So just hold on a second. I'm trying to chew my way through this story. So my name is Grace Victoria, and um, I want to tell a story that I have um, entitled Saying Bye to Precious. What the fuck does that mean? I'm about to tell you. So this story is based on a former relationship that I had a couple of years ago, and um, that started when I was 23. And like most relationships that start when you're 23, they're nothing but toxic, right? Can we all relate to that? Yeah. yeah. Because what do you know about life? And uh, scientifically, your brain has not developed yet. So we had no idea what we were doing. So we decided to move in together to an efficiency. And that was, uh, that's the thrill of this story. So we decided to move in together, and we have all kinds of trust issues, right? Because he's a couple of years older than I am, and so he's in a relationship, but also acting like he's single. And I am well on my way to try to get married, because that's what we're bred to do as women. And um, so he's in college, and I'm in college, and I had just started grad school. And that relationship lasts about eight years. Eight years. And I'm very proud of that because that shows that I am a winner and tolerable and adaptable and flexible. So on the eighth year, on his birthday, I decide to book an Airbnb, right? Not the greatest place, but still. And um, we go to dinner. And the dinner's great. Dinner's fantastic. I'm, you know, looking like a 10 or feeling like a 10. And uh, dinner's great. After dinner, he decides we take a stroll on the boardwalk. I'm like, no problem. I have about five-inch heels today, but let's walk. Because <laughs> I've been trying to dragging this eight-year relationship for this long, so it's cool. So we're walking on the boardwalk, and on my peripheral, I see that he, like, falls to the ground. And so I turn around, and I'm like, 
the hell happened to this guy? And when I finally turn around, I realize that he is down on one knee. And my first reaction was, it's about damn fucking time, right? And I immediately say, get up. <laughs> You're embarrassing me. Because <laughs> there were also people walking on the boardwalk. So um, I decide to you know, sit on a bench and then he's like, you know, you're kind of ruin this, ruining this whole thing. And I was like, no problem. Start all over. So I sit down. <laughs> he gets on one knee and he says, Grace, will you marry me? And I said, a fucking course. I'm crying. You know, I've got all this, you know, like water and mucus on my face. I'm like, you know, ugly crying at this point. And so my initial reaction after I say yes is to call my mom. Because I was like, how dare you plan a proposal and not tell my mom, you know, like, why is it my family here? Because we're never satisfied, right? We just want more. So immediately, I put on the ring and I realize it's not my size. And I'm like, holy shit, the ring is nice. This girl's like, oh, God, <laughs> I can't see your reaction through the mask, but I feel the energy. So I put on the ring and I realized, I'm like, it's not my size, but I felt like Gollum, you know what I mean? I was like, my precious, <laughs> finally. And I realized, okay, well, you know, I, was, I had left ring sizers all over the house <laughs> with the size seven with an X. Still didn't take the hint. And you know, the rings I wore still didn't take that to the jeweler to say, hey, by the way, this is her size, but no problem. I put on the ring, we go home, everything's fantastic. This was on a Saturday. Sunday, Sunday's great. We're still in the honeymoon stage. Monday, I get home and everyone's at like sending me messages like this venue, that venue, you should do this, you should do that. And I'm not the type of girl that wants a wedding with like the poofy dress or a bunch of people I don't know just to complain about the charcuterie board that I <laughs> selected for the wedding, right? So I feel like just give me the money and I'll do what I want with it, like buy a house or go to Hawaii or something. I don't know. So um, Monday comes along and I get home and I'm super excited because I'm all over Pinterest, right? I'm like, destination wedding, <laughs> you know, whatever. And I get home and I, you know, he gets home from work. By this point, we have moved from a, from the efficiency to a, an apartment to a townhouse. So we're, you know, on the way up. Um, and so I get home and I show him this Pinterest, all these pens of things, ideas that I had. And his family was texting me all these kinds of things. So I was like, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, what do you think? And then his response to me was, for what? I was like, um, excuse me? <laughs> uh, for the wedding that's supposed to happen? You know, like, do you remember? You almost fell off your chair and died and proposed at the same time. Like, what's happening? And uh, he's like, I, uh, I don't have time for that. It's like, okay. Because Aaron Rodgers just got injured was his response. Do you guys know who Aaron Rodgers is? He's a football player for the Packers, okay? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so he was like, you know, all up into fantasy football, you know, like the kind of guy that would have like 10 screens plus his phone watching all kinds of stuff. You look like the fuckboy fantasy football kind of guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I feel that energy too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm very sensitive at this point, you guys, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> So, you know, I was like, all right, well, this is fantastic. Um, 
his follow-up question was, do you have any money? And I was like, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? What? Right, right. And so um, he's like, yeah, because we know how many, he was probably like in 10 leagues at that point, so we know. Um, so anyway, he ends up asking me if I have any money, and I was like, uh, I don't have money, but do you? Right? I, you know, I feel like if I put a little bit, you know, I'm a career woman, right? So I'm independent. If I put half, you put half, we could actually make this happen. We could go to a restaurant, have a little party. That's fine. No big deal. Anyway, um, he's like, well, I don't have money for that right now. And I was like, well, this sucks. I don't know why I said yes then. <laughs> you know, like, wow. All right. Well, my next, I fell asleep and I woke up the next day and I was like, you know what? I need an exit plan. And I need probable cause. Okay. So I asked him, I said, hey, um, do you have, you know, your half of the electricity? And he's like, I don't have money for that either. And I was like, no problem. So I called my dad. And my dad, I told my dad what had happened. And my dad was like, you know what? You need to get out. I said, all right. So I packed a duffel bag. I took my toothbrush. And I never went back. He came home saw that I didn't come back, slept through the night, woke up, wrote me a message and said, did you have to take the toothbrush? Okay, because after eight, nine years, we didn't share a toothbrush, but we had, we had an electric toothbrush with different heads that he used to use. So I took the toothbrush, right? That's the only thing I took. And a duffel bag. So I'm thinking, you know, the text message was going to be something like, why did you leave? What happened? Right? You know, why did you take the toothbrush? I was like, you're an asshole. But no problem. This is fantastic. Good decision. So I never went back. Say again? I wanted half. Yeah, I also bought the toothbrush. Okay. But um, thank you for that. So anyway... <laughs> accomplishments. Um, so I could afford a toothbrush. Anyway, um, <laughs> so anyway, I decided, I was like, well, you know, I have to do something with this ring, right? I have three options. I could either sell it, be stupid and give it back, or be like Rose and throw it in the ocean, right? I couldn't do that either. Yeah. So I had given it to my brother, and I said, hold on to this, because I'm not ready to do this, make this decision yet, but hold on to it for safekeeping. And he's like, no problem. So he puts it away. A couple months later, I feel like I'm mustering up the courage, right, to like, make this decision, because I also need to move out on my own, because I'd moved back to my parents' house, like the prodigal daughter. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I fucked up. Um, so anyway, um, fast forward to a couple months after, I asked my brother for the ring. My brother's like, no problem. He goes into the closet where he let, put the ring, goes into it, shuffles a couple times. 20 minutes later, he comes back. He's like, the ring's not there. I was like, that's funny because <laughs> you were supposed to keep it <laughs> for safekeeping. I think you were supposed to hold on to it. And he's, you know, he thought that maybe I was asking for it because we had reconciled. I was like, no. I'm actually going to sell it. So where's the ring? And uh, he goes back in and he's like shuffling. He's like, I swear to God, I put it in a plastic bag. And I was like, that's funny. <laughs> Why 
why would you put it in a plastic bag? And he's like, well, I figured if we were to get robbed, um, it would hide in plain sight. Nobody would know there's a ring in there. And I was like, a Publix bag? No? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, younger brothers. They're dumb. Okay. <laughs> his brain hadn't developed yet either. So anyway, his first um, reaction is to call my mom. So he calls my mom, and my mom doesn't answer. And, you know, frantically, he leaves her a message, call me back, call me back, call me back. She eventually calls back, and he says, okay, mom, uh, did you, you know, while you were going through the closet um, and going through, you know, like, because my grandmother had just been transferred to a home. She couldn't ambulate on her own, so we transferred her to a home. And also, she was a bitch. So if you're wondering, <laughs> if you're wondering why your grandmother wouldn't move into your house and you'd send her to a home, that's why. Okay? So... <laughs> yeah. So, you know, my mom's like, you know, she's like, no, I don't remember seeing anything. Um, you know, I'll, you know, I got to go. I'm at work. A couple minutes later, she calls back and she's like, you know what? I actually did see a ring inside of a plastic bag. <laughs> And it was in, you know, like in the middle of like inside of a, a, a duffel bag where your grandmother's stuff is that I was planning on taking to her, taking, uh, taking it to her to her home. And I was going to dispose of the things that she, you know, I felt that were unnecessary. I was like, all right. And she's like, and I opened the plastic bag and I realized it was a ring and I looked at it and thought, this looks fake. <laughs> So she put the ring back in the box, back in the plastic bag, and threw it away. So when my brother comes back to me and tells me with a story, I was like, all right, we've got four dumpsters in the condominium. <laughs> We're dumpster diving. At this point, I don't know if it was in the garbage or if it had made its way to my grandmother's home. And so now I'm thinking, all right, well, let's start with the dumpster. So I put, you know, like these rubber gloves on and we, I take a broom, he takes a mop and we go, <laughs> you're wondering why do we take a broom and mop? It's the only sticks we had, okay? <laughs> so we go to the dumpster and we're like, eeny, meeny, miny, mo," And we go to the first dumpster and I'm like, I'm, you know, we're out there and I'm like, what bags are we looking for? So I run back upstairs and I'm thinking, all right, what color string are the garbage bags <laughs> that we're using? That's the first thing, right? You didn't think about that. So I was like, I have to eliminate process of elimination. All the black bags, nope. All the orange with orange ties, no. I was looking for a blue tie. Got it. So we go through the first dumpster, nothing. Can't, I mean, I'm, I'm going through, I'm in it, I'm in there. I'm dumpster diving. There are bugs, you know, there's everything in there. It starts raining. So now I'm wet and it's disgusting. It smells like asshole, okay? Pure asshole. Um, I've never eaten ass, but I can only imagine. <laughs> okay. It smells like shit <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. So, all right, next. I'm also thinking the schedule, the dumpster schedule. You know, right, it's on Mondays and Thursdays. So I'm like, all right, fantastic, it's a Thursday. Okay, or a Wednesday, I think it was. So anyway, we go to the next dumpster, and I'm shuffling through bags. None of them have a blue tie. Boom, eliminate that one. Go to the third one, nothing. Boom, 
last one. I'm like, this has to be it. So, and it's the one that was right across the street, like an asshole. You know, I could have, I went to all the other dumpsters, but not the one right across the street. So um, we go in there and I'm shuffling through the bags and I'm, you know, I'm not crying, but I'm kind of sad because I'm like, I'm losing money here, okay? I felt like I was like in a fantasy football league and I've just lost. And I'm like, damn. So I obviously didn't know how much the ring was worth either. So it could have been fake for all I knew. So I'm going through in there and I'm like, I see all these blue uh, uh, bags with the blue string and we're going in there and I'm taking stuff out and I'm taking stuff out and nothing, 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 nothing. I finally, I'm like, all right, God, this is it. This is my last bag. I go into the bag and I decide to just close my eyes and feel for a box. Because I'm just, you know, there's rain coming down my face. My eyes are closed. There's just nothing I could do. There's bugs and everything. So I go into it and I'm feeling and I'm feeling and I'm feeling and I feel like a cube. And I'm like, this is it. I open my eyes. I see the bag. It's a Publix bag so I could feel through it. I take the ring. It's in a red box. Take the ring. And I open it, and somebody just comes in there and fucking dumps a fucking bag into it. And the ring falls out of the box and now is in the fucking trash. So I had it in my hand, right? You know, like I missed the fucking pass, okay? <laughs> and now I'm shuffling through this thing. I take the, I find it. I eventually find the ring. I take it, and I'm like... This is glorious. This is fantastic. Take the ring, put it in my bag, in my my pocket. Take the box, get out, go to to my house, get on my knees, and I literally just ball for like five minutes. Take a shower. My brother's glad that you know he didn't lose this ring, um, and I'm never gonna trust him again. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, after that, I decide to put the ring in the box, put it in my closet, and I wait couple more months. COVID happens. There's no way I can go and sell this ring. So I keep it for like a year. Like, okay. Finally, COVID's over. And I decide this is the day I'm going to sell this ring, right? I feel like I want to have a new relationship. I need to get rid of this ring because it's a symbol of that relationship. So I set out the day and I say, okay, I'm going to pawn this ring today. So I go to the first pawn shop. And sketchy as hell. You guys ever been to a pawn shop before? It is as seen on TV, okay? <laughs> they're all carrying a piece, and they're like, I'm going to give you $500. And I was like, you could go fuck yourself, okay? <laughs> My time in the dumpster was wor uh, worth more than $500. So I go to the next pawn shop, and um, the guy says, don't, be, don't get mad. He plugs in something in the computer. He's like, I'm going to give you $600, I was like, no, thank you. So I go home, and my dad's like, well, I'm heading to DR, so you could give me the ring, and I'll try to sell it over there. I was like, eh, I don't know about that. So I decided to go to a jewelry store, and they're like, we don't buy rings from outside. It's like, all right, fine. So I go to another jewelry store, and I say, hey, I'm not trying to sell you the ring, but do you know where I could sell this ring? And the guy's like, you know, you could go right across to this kiosk where someone's going to, they buy gold. I was like, awesome. So I take my box, go to the guy. Guy's like, you know, it's a very nice box. I was like, it's not about the box, but okay. 
He opens the ring, and he, he opens the box, sees the ring, and he's like, it's a very nice ring. I said, I know. He's like, all right, my boss doesn't get here twenty minutes till 20 minutes from now. I was like, all right, I'll wait. No problem. 20 minutes pass. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to buy something. So I was like, uh, I'm going to buy a necklace. Because I didn't want to buy, if I did sell it, I didn't want to buy it with the same money. Because I'm a little superstitious, right? So I was like, all right. So I bought something. Awesome. I figured if I bought something, he'd be more inclined to do business with me, right? Trying to outsmart this guy. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> guy comes in and he's like, that's a very nice box. I was like, I know. <laughs> Opens the ring. He's like, it's a very nice ring. He's like, how much do you want for it? I said, honestly, how much can you give me for it? He's like, he's like, do you have a receipt? I was like, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. Give him the receipt. He's like, well, I can't give you what it's worth. I was like, all right, well, then what can you give me? He's like, $1,800. I was like, yep. And I'm like, this is it. This is fantastic. I'm, you know, sold. So he takes the ring out and he looks at it through a magnifying glass or through the thing that they look at it. And he looks at it and he looks at it and he looks at it through the light. And he's like, I can't take this ring. And I was like, why? What's like, I'm like, but I don't understand. And he's like, well, because it's got feathers in it. And I was like, feathers? I was like, that's, uh, that's odd. I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking, I mean, it was in the dumpster. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, surprise, that's the only thing you think that's in it. But okay. Um, so he's like, I'm sorry, I can't take this ring. I'm sorry I gave you that amount. You're going to have to leave. And I was like, all right, cool. So I take the ring, I put it back in the box, and he's like, hold on, let me clean it. I was like, awesome. Dips it in some water a couple times, baptizes the bullshit. I don't know what the fuck he was doing, <laughs> but he puts it in there, takes it out, puts it in there, takes it out, puts it in there, takes it out, looks at the light, looks at the thing, and he's like, you know what? I'll give you $1,800 for it. It was just dirty. And I was like, fucking awesome. The same day I set out to sell this ring, you know, I almost gave up and I got it. So he makes me fill out something. I have to give my fingerprint or whatever. And I was like, okay. And he's like, this is so that you can't come and claim it. We, this is our property. And I was like, well, I also wrote a letter to the person that was going to get this ring. He's like, you could throw that away because we don't, give, we don't sell this ring to anybody. We melt the gold and take the diamond and we put it on something else. And I was like, hey, awesome. So he takes out his box and he gives me $1,800 cash. I had asked for $2,000 because I had spent a little money on this. And he's like, no, $1,800. I was like, hey, no problem. We're cool. I'll take it. Gives me $1,800 cash. And I was like, I'm going to need you to walk me out because I have this wad of cash. And he's like, no problem. He's got his piece. He walks me out. He also asked me for my birthday, which happened to be like, I don't know, eight days before mine. Same year, same month. And he's like... Um, I have a question for you. Is this ring, are you selling this because you're getting an upgrade? I was like, uh, I don't know. What do you call an upgrade? But uh, whatever. I'm like, no. He's like, I'm sorry. It didn't work out. He walks me out. I get to my car. I get my $1,800, my which is my deposit for my new apartment, right? Part of my deposit for my new apartment. If you guys are wondering whatever happened to my grandmother, that's the second part of this story. 
my grandmother, um, we buried her two, about two months ago. And uh, she was about 90-something years old. It was her time. And uh, I have, like, a fear of going to wakes and seeing dead people. I just don't like it. It's just not who they are anymore. So my mom has a hissy fit about me not doing that and paying my respects. And I was like, well, you know, it's just not who they are. I'll get out of the car, you know, and, and show my respect. I'll go into the room with you. So she checks in. And they tell her, you know, you can go into this room, and we all walk in there. As we walk in, um, my mom and my brother and my aunt and a couple other family members get close to the coffin. And as they get close to the coffin, they immediately jump back, like, what? And they immediately are like, I'm like, what happened? They're like, that's not her. And I was like, how do you know that's not her? <laughs> I was like, I've been telling you, though, that that's not who they are. And they're like, no, no, really, that's not her. I'm like, how do you know? They're like, because it's a man. I was like, this is fantastic. <laughs> and uh, that's my story, guys. This is why you don't see dead people. And this is how I said bye to Precious, okay? So thank you very much for having me. Give her grace, Victoria, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, this, the drink you didn't touch while you're telling your story? It was there for support. That's your support drink. I love pawn shops, by the way. I think they're fucking awesome. <laughs> I guess I would. That's kind of on brand for me. The final storyteller of Uncle Scotchy storytelling is Travaganza, ladies and gentlemen. Give it for grace one more time. It's Cindy Ad Boisson. I'm owning, the, I'm owning your last name. Thanks for everybody that's been a, a part of this. I started this thing very selfishly to kind of workshop my own, my own thing that I wanted to do, uh, a one-man show. Then I wound up meeting just all kinds of people and uh, that I never would have met before, even during this whole COVID stuff. So I'm very thankful for this. Once again, give it for Ben right there, ladies and gentlemen, who allowed me to do this. He always knew it was going to be a good idea. For our last storyteller, ladies and gentlemen, uh, once again, go to UncleScotchy.com. Check out all the previous stories. You can hear some funny stories, uh, some very unfunny stories. You can hear some of my stories. I tell about 13 on there. And uh, you can just binge my ass. And, uh, but either way, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of really good stories on there. You can kind of skip around. I would appreciate it. And tell your friends, too. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to grow this thing, so I would appreciate it. Um, but, uh, so Mitch, Mitch has become a big part of the storytelling night. He's the one that did that, did the, the post that I put up today too. And he's been, he's been really great. He's been really helpful. He's been taking pictures. He's been a part of the whole thing. And he recommended this motherfucker. So I just said, yes, I'm automatically because it's Mitch. So he seems like a great dude. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Pedro the Hitman, ladies and gentlemen, give him it up. How you guys doing? Holy shit, the light is here, man. What day is it? I'm drunk, baby. Fuck. Um, what is it, Wednesday? Okay, so thank you so much, Mitch, for having me here. Uncle Scotchy, thank you. Um, stories to tell. I just came from a stand-up comedy thing, you know, was trying out. Shout out to the people in CNI. 
I did my little thing there, so like I'm still kind of like in a funny mood, you know? Um, please laugh, if not, screw you guys, right? There you go, we're starting off, we're starting off. So I'm new to this whole stand-up thing, believe it or not, I mean, I don't believe it. Um, and, you know, it's like, hey, go ahead, talk your shit. I mean, you do it at home all the time and we laugh, so try it in public so you know I'm here and... If we're gonna laugh, we're gonna laugh together, and if we bomb, we're gonna bomb together. You know, unity, unity, right? So I have a story of my daughter who has been my best friend. You know, she's gonna be seven years old next week. You know, 7 Eleven, special kid. Um, not special because retarded, special because you know, dear to my heart. Yeah, yeah, nice catch, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's like, please just tell the story. Okay. I had a crazy life till she was born. The moment she was born, everything that I did that was negative turned into super positive, lost some friends. And, you know, I became like the biggest, you know, this big guy here. Not this time, though, but she does my toenails. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm her little, I'm her bitch. You know, that's, that's my baby. Whatever my baby wants, my baby gets, damn it. She wants me on all fours, sounding like a unicorn. Nay, bitch. Right? <laughs> well, you know, kids say the darnest things. She's getting older. And have you ever guys seen Lion King? You ever seen the Kuna Matata scene where, like, Simba and them are, like, you know, from little to big? Well, I've been seeing that. And she's been, you know, they say kids are a sponge. They soak up everything, good or bad. And this year with the pandemic, it affected a whole bunch of people, including starting with me. Um, got the... COVID, beat it, woohoo. Um, but then, like, the kids lost their freedom. They had to go ahead and do school at home. I lost my freedom, damn it. Um, the kids were doing virtual learning, so it's new. So, like, you get to see a lot of things as parents. Any, anybody have kids at home? reason why I say this, a lot of crazy things. Like, you look at the computer of who's teaching in the class, and, yo, these kids got some weird-ass parents, man, walking around, like, in their underwear, like, what the hell's going on? So every day I do, like, a routine check, like, dressed, check, you know? Like, do I look clean enough? Check. Because, like, those people look dirty as hell. It's like, oh, open the book to, channel, uh, to, to page 415, and it's like, move this book, move the cereal from two days ago. It's like, Jesus, you see everything that's disgusting. Well, I'm buttering it up here because, you know, they told me to close the show, so you guys are hostage for a little bit. I'm going to say whatever. So about the kids saying darnest things, my daughter was doing show and tell, and everybody pays attention. And she's so innocent, it's freaking adorable. She tells the teacher, you know, I pay mine, I pay no mine, and I'm listening. She goes... My poppy likes to go, hey, guys, one thing I want to show and tell is that my poppy likes to snort the table and scream, woo, immediately after. <laughs> I'm looking at her like, sky, shh. And it's like, oh, my God, what the fuck is going on? And then the next day, the teacher's like, we're going to talk about eye colors. Oh, I'm comfortable, guys. You guys done messed up. I'm hella comfortable right now. And the story continues. My daughter was talking about eye colors. The teacher's like, we have brown eyes. We have green eyes. We have blue eyes. Gray eyes if you're blind. And then my baby girl, goddammit. Yes, Sky. 
My poppy's eyes are red. <laughs> Sky. And the teacher's like, oh, well, is he sick? I don't know. <laughs> I get the email from the teacher. Who's your plug? No, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. She, she didn't say, I was just making sure you guys were paying attention. Nah, she was just, you know, normal bullshit. You know, there's eye drops for that. And I'm like, how does she know all of this? Chances are, she's an OG. I mean, who in their right mind would teach their kids sober? And especially kids that are not yours. <laughs> Jimmy, stop moving. Polly, stop eating those boogers. Jenny, what the fuck are you doing? Man, back to my kid. I can't say anything. Like, there's a rule. She's six going on to seven. I don't know how you guys feel about kids cursing. I hate that stuff, damn it. But if she says it in context, it's fair game. It's fair game. Like, when you stub your toe, you can't be like, oh, malarkey. You know, you got to do it. Ah, fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um... So, so she's the little sponge, man. The little bitch is the sponge, man. I listen to DMX. Rest in peace, Earl. And um, how does this have to do with storytelling? I'll tell you guys. I'm listening to DMX, and she's a little sponge, so I'm singing, money, money, money. And the song is simple. Money, money, money. Bitches, bitches, bitches. She's in her room. After her mom told her, don't use a potty mouth. She's playing with her little unicorn and move. Money, money, money. Bitches, bitches, bitches. <laughs> and then her mom goes, Sky Lee Loose. Who is teaching you? She already knows. She's just trying to. And then my baby, my sweetheart, my chicky poo, my unicorn, my everything, my ride or die. So I thought, nope. <laughs> he did it. He says it. And then, you know, guess who slept on the couch that night? She didn't. The fuck? I pay bills. <laughs> so kids see things, you know, and, and it's like her little friend Genesis comes over and she just learned Poppy pays the bills. So they're playing with the toy. There's one unicorn, but there's two kids. I don't know what's up with unicorns. Well, yes, I do. Unicorns rule, but I don't want her to know the real definition of a unicorn. So every time she has like unicorn gear and stuff, I panic, y'all. I'm like, fuck. You guys don't know what unicorns are for real, for real? Google that shit. You guys are going to be like, wow. Okay. But my daughter's playing with her friend. Her friend takes the unicorn. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You go sleep in the couch. My poppy bought me that toy. And I'm like, Sky Pie, she's not even related. Like, you don't have that power over the little bitch. You got to say things like you got to lie to her, like sharing is caring and, you, you know, all that nonsense, you know. But my daughter has also made me look good. Believe it or not, it's a hard project, but she does. She does. Right, yeah. Example, go to the park. I'm by myself and, and I'm with her. And there's like families there. The dad's deadbeat people. I'm trying not to curse so much. I'm sorry. I just left another show. So I'm trying to hold it, but fuck it. I'm over there, like, at the park, genuinely playing with a little bitch, you know what I mean? Kick the soccer ball, throw the football. I'm like, yo, can you do, like, female sports? Like, what's up? So she's like, let's do stuff in the sand. We do this, and you see other parents smoking, drinking, having so much fun. (laughs) 
But then I get the brownie points because, like, I be my chancletas. And they're, like, looking at me weird, like, yo, paint toenails on this motherfucker? Yeah, my daughter did them. Checks me, like, get? Oh, he really likes his baby girl, you know? So it's like, hmm. She makes me look good, but she makes me look bad. So to the people at the park, I look like a fucking god, a hero, the father of the year, which I am. I'm the father of the year, goddammit. I love that little bitch. And the show's not done yet, but you guys are already clapping. I love you guys. I love you guys. Woo! But then as far as my daughter goes to the school, her teacher thinks I smoke weed. She thinks right. But then all of a sudden, I don't know if her teacher's trying to, like, set me up for failure. Because remember, Sky's Pops likes to sniff the table and yell, woo. The teacher sends me emails, like, to my personal email. Do you know who Ric Flair was? <laughs> I'm like, what's this got to do with the curriculum of my baby, man? And like, well, sometimes you got to act like the macho man. I'm like, don't get me started on the macho man. I love the macho man. You know, oh, my God, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yes, man. But then my daughter all of a sudden, what are they? Sponges. She's playing with her unicorn. You want to have fun? Ooh, yeah, let's have fun and stuff. I'm like, oh, my God. So then her mom tries to talk to me, and she's like, listen, whatever you do in your personal life, do it, but not here. So I'm like, yo, listen, Sky, you make me look good. You make me look bad. Why do you do this? And she goes, I just got to be honest, Poppy. Like, I just want to uppercut the little bitch. <laughs> For her birthday, I get her things, and she has an allowance. We give her money. And I'm trying to teach her how to buy things. You know, I don't know if you guys see spoiled-ass kids. Wow, I want this. My daughter learned that shit the hard way. Don't you do that, because pimp him strong. Like, listen, don't you dare yell. Don't you dare wah, wah, throw a temper tantrum. We don't permit that. So we give her money. And if she wants to buy something, if you got enough money, you can do it. If you don't. <laughs> little chick, you're fucked. I'm trying to teach you that life ain't all flowers, you know what I mean? Don't look at me sideways like, why can't you give that extra dollar? Why couldn't you? You know? So she's over here learning things, and it, it, it makes me feel proud to see that she's about to be seven. My life seven years ago was never going to be like this. I had fear. I used to always, like, doubt myself. Sometimes I still did, and then it was like, yo, I had a nice glass of fucking, you know what I mean? Like, I just went and moved forward, and I'm trying to teach my baby that, like, conquer all your fears, have them become your friends, and if you want to learn and soak things in, soak this into you little bits. Like, you can put your mind to whatever you want to do and do it. And at first I was nervous to do this, but now I'm here, and the adrenaline is crazy, and I don't want to get off. I love sharing stories about my baby. She's my everything. I can come back and tell you stories about other things. But that's all in time. As long as you guys have me here, I want to keep you guys awake. And I have a joke for you guys. Let's see if you guys are paying attention. How do you guys keep an idiot waiting? I'll tell you tomorrow. You know? You guys like that? Write that down. It's a freebie. You know, I'm Hispanic. I'm Colombian. Us Hispanic. Any Colombians here? 
Parce queo que papá. You know, it's like, hey, guy, how you doing, buddy? You know, for the Caucasians, I don't understand. My family is so dramatic. Like, it's a Colombian thing, I swear. That's why if you look at the soccer team, they kick the ball, and then the goalie does a front flip like he's hurt. Like, you dramatic punk. Can't stand you. But what I'm saying is, you guys, how do you guys have arguments at home? I have a story. Like, my friends tell me you guys should, like, have a soap opera because if we have a discussion about anything that you guys may have at home, you guys will go ahead and, and fix it. But, Jesus Christ, Colombians are just so damn dramatic, man. Like, it's like a novela, you know? Like, pero por qué? And that's all they can say. And then, again, back to my daughter just jumping her in, being a sponge. She's a little white girl. Her mom's white as cocaine. But I'm trying to teach her Spanish on my end. He's like, enough with the cocaine jokes. Um, my daughter speaks Spanish as well. But her number one word for every little thing. Skylie, put your shoes on. What do you think she, got, what do you think she says? Pero por qué? If you guys have kids, love them, hug them, appreciate them, be their hero. I do this just for her, because to be honest with you guys, if she was not born, I probably wouldn't even be here. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I would like to be back and share more stories with you guys, and you guys enjoy your evening, whatever's left of it. Pedro's hitman, ladies and gentlemen. Get up for him. Get up for his daughter as well. Get up for his little bitch. Thanks for coming out, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, my new friends and my old friends, this has been a, like a really cool journey for me. And I was telling somebody a little while ago, uh, I started this thing very selfishly to workshop something that I've been trying to put together that's going to start happening in the, the beginning of next year. But I want to make it a lot of relationships through it. And it's really cool. So keep coming through. Tell your friends. Share the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. If you want an Uncle Scotchy hat, hit me up. And uh, I'll see you guys next week on Wednesday. Have a good night. <laughs>